In this week's episode, Rex Wild, LGBTQ plus educator, speaker, and consultant, and I will chat about anti-racist layoffs, disabled models and designers, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Rex, will you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bernadette, for having me with you today. It's exciting to be here. Um, my name is Rex Wild. I use they and them pronouns, and I run the organization Rex Wild Consulting, where I work with businesses both nationally and internationally around bolstering their efforts, especially for TGX or trans and gender expansive inclusion in the workplace, both through training and direct consulting initiatives. That's awesome, Rex. Thank you. And by the way, thank you for introducing that term, TGX, because I bet there are a lot of folks listening or watching who've never heard that acronym before. And I think it's a really great one. Thank you. And that's what I've gotten feedback from through the community of folks who are trans, non-binary, and gender expansive, because, you know, there's been this history of talking about the transgender community and kind of this linear way of thinking of transgender looks one way or being gender expansive looks one way. So I really like this initialism as a way for us to expand past the conversation of, you know, kind of this one ideology of if you are transgender, it means one thing when really gender diversity is so vast, broad and infinite. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So tell me, Rex, you work with a lot of companies and you're doing this really great work to expand the efforts of TGX folks or to expand inclusion for them. Can you tell me what are some of the things that you're seeing companies doing that you're really excited by or that you get that give you hope? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the first thing that I'm really excited about is the amount of education and the initiatives that I'm starting to see companies take. You know, there's a lot of companies right now, especially we're in this conversation around inclusive language and pronouns. And so we're seeing many companies who will, you know, put out a feature to include pronouns, but then employees don't necessarily know, you know, why that's there, or what it means for them, or how to interact with sharing their pronouns and why it's important. So when I see that coupled with education that's really empowering employees to have the knowledge to understand things like inclusive language and pronouns, one, I'm seeing the employees feel so much more comfortable about this new cultural norm that we are moving into. But two, the other thing that I see is actually, especially since we have so many TGX young folks that are coming out, many employees have their children or friends and family member who are coming out, that it actually ends up supporting them in their personal lives, which makes working so much better too. Because when we have, you know, that balance between work and personal life, we just are a lot more happier and we see a lot more employee engagement. And so those are some of the things I'm really excited about right now. That is really exciting. 
I actually see companies sort of doing the opposite sometimes. They put up a training, but then they don't have the policies to back it up, right? And so when there's a disconnect either way, a training without the policies to support it or policies without the training to support it, I think there's a real lack of alignment. Right. And that's the thing about DEI initiatives in general, right, is like, how do we take a holistic view at everything and then make sure that we're taking the appropriate steps in each one of those areas to ensure that we are in alignment with our DEI vision and values, right? Absolutely. I think that DEI should definitely go far beyond HR and that there are a lot of organizations that really aren't doing much besides HR and, you know, and learning and development, some training here and there. So the holistic approach is definitely um, my preferred approach as well. So Rex, I'm glad you and I are aligned. So let's get to the stories for this week. This week, I wrote about how I had a recurring conversations last week about how to recover after you have been called out. So Rex, in your experience personally, Anytime you have been misgendered, how have you seen the recovery of the other person go right and wrong? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the thing that I see when folks are doing it right, you know, if I misgendered and I'll say, oh, actually I use they and them pronouns, right? The things that feel the most kind of like easy for me are when folks have a response of like, oh, I'm sorry. And then they repeat whatever they had just said using the appropriate pronoun. And then we just move on with the rest of the conversation. And it's like something that is not, there's not like a big deal that's made around it, right? It's something that cool, the correction is made and then we move on. And then the next time I'm interacting with that person or hear them use my name or my pronouns, they do it right. Right. And then they uh, make sure that from then on, they're doing the best that they can every time to always use the appropriate pronoun. Um, So I would say that those are the times where it feels the most aligned and that the recovery feels like, yes, this is exactly what we want to be seeing. I would say the times where it feels a little more misaligned is when folks are making a really big deal out of it or they're over personalizing it. Like, oh, it's okay. You know, I care about you. So there might be like a a disconnect between, Mm -hmm. you know, them not having the proper action, even though they're saying, but I care. Right. And so it's like, how do we align people's actions with their values? Because that's actually what's going to bring folks into alignment to act in a a respectful and reciprocal way. And so those are the times where I think there's, uh, I would say, you know, if if we want to put it that way, you're getting it wrong, is when it's just there's too big of a deal that's made out of it or that you are or someone is invalidating that person's or my experience rather than just, you know, taking it with a grain of salt, having some grace around it, um, making the correction and moving on. All right, folks, that is a really great, those are really great examples of of how to recover successfully and when, what not to say, because I think that you're right. A lot of people over apologize and they make it into a really big production and they make it about themselves, right? When it's about the person that they have accidentally offended, hopefully it's been accidental. Right. Absolutely. And the thing is, most of those people, in my experience, have really good intentions, right? They have, they're, they really care and it's upsetting to them that they've done something that may be hurtful or harmful to someone else. So I understand where those big reactions come from. And at the end of the day, if you want to be in alignment with your, you know, um, that care that you do have in your intentions, being able to respond in the other way that I stated is just going to communicate your care in a bigger way than you probably realize. 
Absolutely. All right, great. Well, let's move on to these good vibes. The first story today is about New York Fashion Week. For the second week in a row, I wrote about New York Fashion Week. This time, we're talking about stylish, adaptive fashion with people with disabilities on display. There was an entire runway show dedicated to this and also featured models with disabilities. Pretty amazing things. And by the way, those are the things I take for granted because I don't need these types of products. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, first and foremost, looking at the photos from these, this fashion show is absolutely incredible. The looks themselves are so beautiful and gorgeous. And I think as someone who has had to figure out my own gender expression and clothes that suit me because of having been on testosterone, my body changing, right? And having gone off of testosterone, my body changing again, there's something that I really um, can relate to in this way of what does it mean to have fashion that's accessible to someone's body, especially bodies that aren't generally seen in, you know, the fashion industry. And so I think it's wonderful that we're seeing some shifts, we're seeing some change, and that not only were some of these looks, first and foremost, created specifically for the folks who are in, uh, the folks with disabilities and their specific bodies, but also that I think it was, what, 80% of the um, designers of the designers were people with disabilities themselves. And mm-hmm. so that, you know, it is one representation matters, not only on the runway, but also behind the scenes. And so I was really excited to see both those things. I mean, talk about alignment, right? We have inclusive product design, diverse people creating the products and diverse models. So it's sort of taking not completely a holistic approach, but definitely a thoughtful and somewhat holistic approach. It's great. We love to see it. That's right. So the next story comes from Hearst, which is one of a small handful of companies offering divorce support as an employee benefit. So they have uh, an access, they provide employees with an access to an app called Support Pay that helps divorce folks manage financial and custodial obligations. You know, as someone who's gone through a divorce, I am very familiar with all of the stress and drama, let's be honest, that can go along with it. And an app like that probably would have made things easier for me. Yeah. And my parents got divorced when I was young and just knowing the things that my mom went through, for example, with that um, and like the financial hardship that was had at that time, being able to see that there is kind of just a purview of even thinking about this, I think is a really, really big deal. Exactly. The other thing too is like we don't often talk about class issues and how class issues are impacted when there are these significant life changes. And so being able to see that companies are moving toward this direction of like, what are the different ways that we can think about socioeconomic issues that our employees are going to um, may experience, I think is, is really huge. Absolutely. And also we're talking about different kinds of families and we talk about different kinds of families in other contexts, but I think that divorce and single parenthood often get left out of the conversation. And yes, there's absolutely a class issue at play there. Excellent. All right. The third story is from Twilio, which has laid off 11% of their employees, but the CEO promised that there was an anti-racist approach to the layoff process ensuring that folks from marginalized communities did not get laid off in a disproportionate amount. Pretty significant here. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so curious to hear what some of their specific steps are that they're making sure it's an anti-racist approach. Um, I was trying to read about it and I was seeing, you know, kind of the lens around what an anti-racist approach to uh, layoffs could look like. And it might be things like making sure that you're not only doing a first fired, first hired, or first hired, first fired approach, right? Because especially in the tech industry, that is this industry that is kind of more recently having a purview of, you know, hiring, uh, making sure that they're hiring diverse teams. That means that most of the first hired are of diverse backgrounds, you know, and so I'm curious to know um, what that is. But I will say one of the things that I saw is that it looks like they're giving about 12 weeks of pay to every employee who was laid off. And I think that's a really good first step around making sure that there isn't a significant socioeconomic impact that they're having and that folks have the opportunity to find employment elsewhere with a reasonable amount of time to look. Yeah, exactly. I do think that's that is fairly reasonable. And um, I am very curious what the other details are, because as you pointed out, Twilio was not specific, um, but perhaps there is a, a story there that will come out that, that will come out another day and we'll bring it to you right here on Five Things. OK, the next story is from the, the restaurant, the fast casual restaurant, Hot Chicken Takeover which has made a real effort to hire formerly incarcerated people, folks who might have been homeless or former drug addicts. And they've done a really great job of taking care of folks and they're starting to see the benefits. This is phenomenal. And this is actually, I think, one of my favorite stories of the week, because when we talk about things like restorative justice and when we talk about things like how do we really transform the system, we have to start from a standpoint of being able to meet folks who don't have any access. And so we know previously incarcerated folks often don't have access to employment, which just creates this big, long cycle, right? One of my favorite shows, I'll say, is Pitbulls and Parolees, and they <laughs> have a similar idea where they're specifically working with folks who were previously incarcerated in order to give them jobs, but also help them um, with their recovery and reentry back into society. So I think this is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And I do think that there's something here that a lot of other organizations can adapt. Surely most organizations have some positions where you can hire folks who have a criminal background. There's really no reason. There are some positions. And unfortunately, a lot of times, whether it's the organization or the state, they have no protections. They have no ability to get jobs. And we're just seeing a continued cycle of incarceration. So folks, there is something you can do here. You can do this within your own organization, at least in some small capacity. All right, last story of the day, Rex, comes from the U.S. Department of Interior, which completed the removal of about 650 geographic locations that were previously named with a racist and misogynistic slur for a Native American woman. And it's all changed. I mean, this is really transformative. This is absolutely huge. And and let me backtrack a little. Is that my favorite story or is this one? They can all be my favorite. But um, I think this is huge because especially, you know, being in the U.S., we have a history that we need to look at around indigenous communities and the many ways that they have been impacted and continue to be impacted. And so being able to have this shift in language as a step forward to say, you know, we are not going to continue to marginalize and belittle indigenous women specifically with this. Um, slur that 
they have eradicated is really a big deal. And I think helps us to set a new cultural precedent around how we talk about Indigenous folks, their history, and what we want to do in order to shift our culture, um, or what is now present day U.S. culture, in order to make sure um, that we are addressing history appropriately. I love it. I love uh, I love that phrase you just used. And now I just forgot what it was. Culture. <laughs> I loved it. And then it disappeared. Cultural. Anyway, Rex, I think that you're absolutely right. And I do think that it sets an amazing precedent. Maybe what you said was cultural precedent. And it does show an intolerance of racism. And I think that really matters. It really does say, hey, this is our line. And we are doing something really significant about it because I'm sure that cost a lot of time and money, a lot of resources. So it just shows that commitment. Rex, thank you so much for being my guest on today's show. It's been wonderful having you here. Any parting words? Just thank you all so much. And I think, you know, I think it's wonderful that we continue to remember these five things that are happening every week that Bernadette's showing us so that we can use that as empowerment for the cultural shifts that we want to see and the change that we want to see in the world. So thank you all for listening. Thank you. And you, you can see, you can check out Rex at rexwild.com. That's wild with an E.com. All right, folks, thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you next week with more good vibes in DEI. If you don't already subscribe to the newsletter, you can get it at fivethingsdei.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith. And I'll see you next week right here for five things in 15 minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI.